today's episode of Jackson Cloud. I'm Olivia. I'm Jamin. And I'm Casey. And today we're talking about the church's role in cancel culture. Which we should probably define before we dive into this. So we're kind of shooting off the cuff here on this conversation. I'm interested to see all the different routes it can go. But if you're like me, you've seen the word cancel culture used a lot and used in different ways. So I think it would be worth first to define what we mean by it just in case people are using it differently. And since this was Olivia's idea to talk about it, Olivia, would you like to define cancel culture for everyone? All right, cancel culture is when a group of people, typically on the internet, decide that you are no longer allowed to make a living based on a mistake you have made. Now, the reason cancel culture has become a big negative thing, I'm gonna argue, is because they leave no room for forgiveness. They drudge up stuff from like 10 years ago and cancel someone who has already become a much better person. And oftentimes it leads to the ruining of someone's life because they no longer have a way to make a living and everything they've known and done for sometimes 10 years or longer is just gone overnight. And it's really hard to build yourself back up after that. Yeah, and I, uh, it's a hard line to walk probably because on one side of things, there is that call to prophetic justice, you know, when someone does something, at least if it's like a repetitive process and, and it needs to be like called to account for, I do understand that that comes up. Uh, I feel like in the church, a lot of times people only lean heavily on that side lately rather than like the hope for <laughs> grace and forgiveness and and amends even within that. Well, that's what the cross is about, right? Um, but it's it's hard and messy and it's much easier to cancel, I think. You see something wrong and maybe it's something that you haven't specifically done wrong, so it's even easier to point a finger and be like, oh, I would never in a hundred years do that, completely forgetting the list of all the things that you've done yourself. And I think it it lends to the mob mentality mm -hmm. of like, burn them, burn them at the stake, or, you know, insert Shrek reference here. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's easy, especially online, to kind of join in, kind of what would be considered groupthink, of like, well, you don't like them. Well, I don't like them. And I have, I also don't like them. And like, it just starts becoming a mob yep. um, to where it, like, because it's online, because it's through a screen, like, you're, I think we're used to seeing perfection online or like, it's very clean. It's very Photoshop. It's very like, just woke up. <laughs> yeah. It's very overly <laughs> produced. And so like when someone does something wrong and where there's a blemish, it's like, Remove the blemish, you know? Yeah, and I would argue that that is actually the reason why cancel culture becomes a bad thing. Because if it's on an individual level, if an artist per se does something bad and you are like, wow, that was just such an awful thing. I will never buy another CD of theirs again. That's fine. You have the right to make that decision, but Cancel culture is when you gang up with another group of other people and it becomes a problem when you make that decision for others. So you need to leave space for people to say, hey, we don't want to support you because you did this, not, hey, no one's allowed to support you because you did this. 
not everyone has the same morals, unfortunately. I wish we all had the same morals. There probably wouldn't be wars if we all had the same morals. But we can't place our set of rules on everyone else. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, what you described would basically be considered as, you know, gossip and slander and whatnot. When it gets to the point of like, hey, you hear about what they did, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's gang up together on this person. And now we're going back and forth. And it's not even like healthy, constructive, you know, like I have an accountability partner. When I talk to him about whatever I'm talking about, I know he knows my life. I know he knows whatever difficulties I have, whatever friends that I'm going through difficulties with and that he wishes the best for those people just as I do. And perhaps maybe I'm so angry that they wish the best for those people more than I do. That helps like central, if I'm going to go to someone and ask to sort out my thoughts with them, that helps me not let it evolve into gossip and slander and all these other problems. Whereas if my intent is to talk to you about how angry I am at Casey to make you angry at Casey, you know, like we've completely changed this ball game into gossip and slander and then we capitalize upon it. And I think that's one of the biggest difficulties for me with the prophetic these days is there is a difference between prophetic and gossip. And a lot of times these days people look at them as the same thing. It's like if I'm mad about something, I'm going to complain about it, bring everyone around it, and now I'm joining with the prophets of old and claiming justice. And that's that's different, you know? And uh, whereas the prophetic is more like God energizing someone to see injustice and to call it out on a kind of global level, not just the injustice one person's doing, but also the injustice in myself. Am I guilty of these same things? Um, and how often are we guilty of the things that we call out in other people half the time? I mean, I've been there where there's been some themes that I preached on, like, God, I just can't believe that people would do that. And then I'll be in prayer one day and God will be like, you know, you do that in your own way, right? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, you do. You have this problem over here. That's the same thing when you think about it. It's like, don't tell me that. I'm that person too. You know, like if we listen to I just preached things. against me. I did, and I need to own up when I do that. But Jesus talks about when you have a problem with someone, what are you supposed to do? You go one-on-one -on -one with them, you have a conversation. Now, if that did not work, and in fact it just seems dangerous for you to go and try again as yourself, go find someone else. The two of you, if you agree, like, yeah, this is a problem, then you go and you readdress the situation again. And if that doesn't work, eventually it gets to the point where it's like, well, let's bring it before the church. Is the church still all just like, yeah, this guy's right and this guy's wrong? Okay, well, this guy who sinned against now this person, which the rest of the church agrees on, it's time to make amends. And if that person still doesn't want to make amends when everyone's like, dude, you messed up, you know, at that point, like, are they even participating in the church anymore? Are they so stubborn that they are unwilling to create the space for forgiveness and repentance and all that. And that's different. That's where I think prophecy really comes into play when somebody is so stubborn and caught in their ways and it is called out and they don't repent and they constantly just like, no, I'm going to do whatever I want. That's when, that's always when I think the prophetic's like, okay, this needs to be called to account. This person is completely hard in their hearts to God. They refuse to, to come out of this and repent and, and 
make amends and whatnot. That's usually when it's like something more needs to be done than just yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> it's just something more needs to be done. <laughs> so then how do we translate that to an online setting where we can't necessarily talk to that person one on one to start? Yep. I think that's why we have such a big problem with cancel culture is because we see they did something wrong and we want to address it, but we just don't know how. And honestly, I don't have a solution for that. <laughs> like it's the internet. Like sometimes you see someone do something wrong, but it's just a username and you don't even know who they are. So DMing, is that the possibility then? I mean, yeah, you can always DM someone, but if they don't know you on a personal level, then you coming and being like, hey, you messed up, buddy is gonna come off as more of an attack than a help. Yeah, and what was Jesus's idea was that you were coming to someone on a personal level, you know? I mean, the prophets go outside of the personal level. Jesus himself calls out Pharisees who he probably doesn't know, but he knows their hearts and he just draws attention to not only the fact that they're sinning, but they continue to live there and don't repent and they just stay there. That's partially the prophetic there. But then he also eats with those same Pharisees, right? So you imagine those conversations went a lot different because who has a dinner and just like, yo, you're the worst, you know? Like, <laughs> you want the past chicken? Like it just doesn't usually work out that way. So wait, they had chicken back then? Well, so like this is- <laughs> Yeah, Casey, chickens existed back then. <laughs> no, but I meant like, they would, never mind. Uh, fish, is that better? The fi fish makes Pass more the fishes and loaves, I got a trick I'm gonna try out. <laughs> Don't even let me get to the bread and wine. Sorry, I was thinking in my head, I was thinking fried chicken, because that's where I always go, and I'm like, did they have Kentucky fried chicken back then? That's no. That's Kentucky. <laughs> Maybe they could fry it. <laughs> well, like, here's one of the things that I do. I, I hope I don't participate in cancel culture, but there is such a strong pull sometimes to, like, call things out, and the struggle is real to know, like, when you should and when you shouldn't, you know? Um, and I imagine even I myself cross that line from time to time. It's important to be prayerful when you're trying to figure out what's important, what's not. My method when I'm doing something online is typically a, a stronger minded post, but anyone who comments back, I'm going to respond as respectfully and cautiously and lovingly as I can. Because in my mind, there's a little bit of like, that seems to be like what we just do with Jesus calls things out, but then eats with you, you know, or the prophets of old calls things out, but then could probably meet with you one-on-one -on -one and talk differently. So well, here's kind of another, you know, question is, you know, um, the idea of admonishment in the Bible is normally for those, you know, Christians calling out other Christians. But if it's, you know, something that's different morally, but they don't profess to be a believer, like, what does that situation look like online? Well, my thing with that is we're living in two kingdoms. I know that there are political things America believes that don't match heaven, and that there's no way I could convince them to, like, match heaven, because they not only do they not follow Jesus and therefore have those same convictions, but they don't have the Holy Spirit to like grow the fruit in them to like 
have those same kind of convictions. So anyways, I'm rabbit trailing, but my point was, my point was if they think one way and the rest of the culture accepts that for me as a Christian, I'm like, then that's the way you think, unless you're hurting someone else in your conviction. That's when I feel like the prophetic needs to come in play. So like for me, abortion would be an example. I understand that the culture leaves space for abortion to be on the table, but as a Christian, I also understand that to be an injustice done to the baby. And therefore, despite the fact that it's morally acceptable, I also, or sorry, by the culture, it might be morally acceptable. By me, yes, it was not morally acceptable, but it's also an injustice done to another person. You can, you can morally commit whatever injustice you want to yourself, <laughs> but when you're morally committing an injustice done to another. Does that make We're sense? We're not supporting the no, injustice no. Okay, okay. Yourself. So like, I think you shouldn't do drugs, but if the culture was like, go ahead and do drugs, like I'm standing back saying, I guess morally, the culture is now allowing this and they're doing, they're inflicting damage on themselves, but their culture has said it's okay. But now they, let's say slavery ever became legal again, right? And you have a slave. Morally, the culture accepts this, but as a Christian, you're doing injustice to another person. I say, you're not just inflicting yourself, you're inflicting someone else. And now it's my prophetic job to step in and say, God doesn't like it when you hurt other people. Does that make sense? Yes. Or did no. I say so much that no, I get it. got lost in translation? <laughs> no, I follow, I follow. Yep. So there's different, different lines, but the main line is we follow Jesus. People of this world fall in another kingdom. And so it's important to listen to Jesus to know when to speak into it and when to say that's just the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> really? Not and the expression of it. <laughs> it's important to know that like, yes, we should hold people accountable for their actions, but also change comes when it's encouraged and participated in. And if you shove someone down saying you messed up, so you can't come above that level, then you're not encouraging or helping or even providing a space for someone to step up and become a better person. Yeah. And if you go into a situation not willing to even forgive from the get-go, then you're not even you're not even following Jesus' original steps, you know? He wants us not only to forgive, but to forgive as quickly as we possibly can. And the other person may not be ready to make amends, but as far as it goes for you, you're supposed to be ready. Now that doesn't mean that they shouldn't uh, um, have any kind of repercussion for what they've done. By all means, there are things that get called out and there's chance for opportunity for forgiveness and love and grace and mercy and all of that. But there is often like a moment of, okay, but also we need to own up for this and there's going to be some, there's going to be some response from like a- Some accountability. Some accountability. And like you said, some people get called out for things that happened a long time ago. They're not even that person anymore. I have a YouTube channel. I don't, <laughs> I don't know the password. I don't remember the password. The email's too old, so I can't get it back and shut it down. But there are probably things on that channel that like, so I can't believe Jamin said and did this. And I'm like, I can't either. I was young and stupid. Leave me alone. You know, like. That's just human life. We grow, we expand, we get smarter. <laughs> uh, old mistakes 
are things we stop doing. There are words that I used to use all the time that I don't use anymore because I realize they're more offensive now than than I did when I was a kid. You know, like it's just things like things like that. We grow. So, and by the way, for everyone that's searching for that, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Put up the color bars now. Cancel this. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to cancel it? <laughs> I'm going to cancel this episode. This episode's canceled. <laughs> and that should be how we end it. <laughs> oh, but I need to address the statement I made at the beginning that we didn't get to. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Okay, I made a statement about the church's role in cancel culture, and I would like to address how the church needs to take some responsibility, not all responsibility, but some responsibility for the origin of cancel culture. Because the people who are becoming this online mob, participating in cancel culture, most of them have done this because, and I hate to blame the parents on this one, but I'm kind of going to, their parents, not online, were this mob deciding, oh, we have to cancel Coca-Cola because they supported this TV show that did this episode about this and we can't support that. So no more going to McDonald's because they serve Coke and also can't have Starbucks anymore because the Christmas cups were red and can't shop at Target. What was the, should we just, what's the list? There's, there's so many things and guys, it was the church leading the charge on most of these things. And I understand that. Yes, we want to hold accountability to things, but when it is not a company that is a Christian company, then we can't get offended that their non-Christian Christmas cups were red. Okay, there's nothing offensive about the color red. Okay, it's a Christmas color. They put it on a Christmas cup. I still do not understand why this was a discussion? <laughs> this is why I don't drink coffee. Same. <laughs> but that's what these kids grew up with. And now that they're adults, that's what they know to do. That's what this kid grew up with. We were a hey. part of the adults at the time. Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't that adult, but we were the younger adults of that generation. And to be fair, my parents didn't do that. It's just, I saw so many adults doing it and I saw other people's parents doing it. And now their generation of kids are taking it to a new level because they didn't get taught. That's not what you're supposed to do. On doing this. And it's become totally out of hand and we need to be like, Hey, discernment. Not everything needs to be canceled over every little thing. So, yeah, so this is a good example, A, of the, what I was trying to do with the line between following Jesus and following the world. Why do you expect Starbucks, Target, Coca-Cola <laughs> to make their decisions based on Jesus? You know, it just doesn't make any logical sense that that's not where they live. Chick-fil-A confuses us and draws those slides, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but as far as like these companies that are not outwardly Christian, even if some Christians work within them, you just don't expect them to make those decisions. But then secondly, the cancel culture you just described is a cancel culture that especially needs to go away because it was all birthed on 
like the petty, petty stuff. <laughs> a red cup is not like cancel culture should be. Wait, you mean I can't burn people at the stake for a red cup? No, I mean if we're gonna if we're gonna fight over th and this is part of the reason I don't feel like this is part of the reason I feel like Christians are losing their voice is because when you look at these kinds of things that we fight about, like not only does it miss like the lines that the gospel has drawn for us in the first place, but like why these things? <laughs> you know, like. A red cup just never, ever, ever had to be called account for. And so if, if those are the kind of cancel culture things we're talking about, there's a whole nother level of <laughs> of pettiness that can be found in, in that. So anything else? Said my piece. <laughs> So we, again, are going off the cuff on this episode on cancel culture. There's a, a lot to, to it. And uh, maybe you yourself have seen it. Maybe you've been a victim of it. You can feel free to leave us a comment either in our Discord or below. Let us know your thoughts. Like, when is it appropriate? When is it not? What is the difference between being gossipy and being prophetic? Uh, when is it important to call account? And when is it important to shut up? And what issues should you be public versus private? Like there's a lot to the conversation. Um, and the internet has blown us up, I think, to not us, unfortunately. <laughs> the, internet has <laughs> the internet has blown up the ability to scream in unison. <laughs> so, so it requires some discipline to use the internet well. All right, leave your comments. We'll talk to you later.